Welcome to Board Game Binge, the place where we bring you bite-sized, bingeable board game content from across the industry. I'm your host, James Staley, and in this episode, we're welcoming back Dan Blacklock, founder of Cloud Puncher Games, famously known for raising $1.3 million across their Box Throne and Token Sesame Kickstarter projects. Their newest innovation, Lax Racks, turns any Calyx shelf into a flat storage system for board games. It's currently on Kickstarter. Dan, welcome back to The Binge. How are you, my friend? Good. Thanks for having me, James. Great to be back. Yeah. It is awesome to have you back. As a fellow Canadian, I'm always uh, always happy to talk to, uh, to fellow Canucks, and, nice. uh, and especially one that is uh, on the other side of the planet. I think it's important yeah. to note to our listeners that the reason why this is kind of an unscheduled time, we're doing it in the morning instead of uh, typically in the evening, is to make sure that um, we can catch you, uh, I guess, uh, vibrant yeah, and, and the ability to talk instead of uh, doing <laughs> kind of in the wee hours of the morning. So uh, yeah. thank you uh, very much for your time. I know it's been pretty hectic, hasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Still in China, still prototyping all the different products and stuff like that. It's difficult to uh, travel around right now. So if I left, I wouldn't be able to come back. So I figured I'd just yeah. stay here and try and get all the products done. So for just as a little quick housekeeping for people that are listening, uh, we actually interviewed uh, Dan, I believe it was episode 22. So if you go through our YouTube channel or if you go through the podcast audio version, uh, scroll down to episode 22, you'll uh, get the whole back history of Dan and where he came from. But Kind of the Coles notes of Cloud Puncher Games. Maybe you can give that to our listeners. Yeah, totally. Uh, we got started by uh, creating uh, the Boxer, which is a modular shelving system specifically for board games. Um, it's like all made out of stainless steel. It's kind of like a luxury furniture item. It's like a higher price point, but you know it's built to last and uh, lets you store every game flat. Uh, so we kind of like uh, got started with that. And then last year we made Token Sesame, which is uh, also modular. Uh, it's like a token bit holder uh, slash uh, like rolling tray, and it's got like designer art plates on it and all that kind of stuff. And uh, we, so yeah, and like we've we've made a few different products, and I think we've advertised for some of them, and then one of them we had to like cancel and like redo. So like now our current project is Laxrax, which, uh, as James said, lets you turn your uh, Calax into a horizontal I guess, storage array for games so every game gets its own shelf um kind of like the box them um yeah because we uh, had a lot of people who already had calyxes or the walmart cube shelves and they're like oh i have a storage system like you know i mean even you you're like you, you got a calyx right, right behind you right so like uh so for those people they're like oh we don't want to get a whole new storage system box on so we were always kind of like uh working on it tinkering it away a little bit um and then we saw some other people working on the same things and so we were like oh okay we should just get this out as fast as we could <laughs> so uh yeah we just uh worked together a video and um kind of like well we, like we were working on it since february like for uh the iterations of it and we went through like so many different iterations of it um it's just all part of the product design process but uh at one point we were making it a lot more expensive and we wanted the whole thing to be fully plastic and all this kind of stuff and yeah or at one point we we're thinking of doing metal and wire and all this kind of stuff and then we just kind of realized that like if you're gonna be buying uh like an ikea shelf uh like you probably for example like if you're already into ikea stuff so you probably don't want to buy like a designer product that might be like cost more than the ikea shelf itself yeah. So we want to make it affordable affordable for people. 
So we were like, okay, let's, let's try and get the price down to like $2 per shelf. So that's basically what we did. So we made it so like you can kind of like reinvent, you can upgrade your entire Calyx for less than the price you pay for the Calyx, which is actually kind of difficult to do. Um, that's awesome. So just really quickly, why, why is it important for people to store their games horizontally? Why, why is that an issue? Yeah, uh, I think that the main issue, I mean, I have personally in a lot of people that I've talked to is that when you store board games sideways um, and then you take kind of like the, one of the supporting games out, uh, the lids will drift off a little bit. And if you do that, sometimes like, you know, stuff will fall out of its holders or like some of the bags will slip down. And then like, you gotta like either take the box lid off and like put it back together and put it back on. Um, and so it's just like, it's just, it's just very annoying. Or sometimes you get lazy and just kind of like stuff it down a little bit. Um, and so like, especially games that like have a lot of cards as well, like something, yep. for example, like, um, like smash up big box, for example, where it's like all the, you have hundreds of decks like on their sides, like if you store yep. the thing on its side, like it's just, it's just a nightmare. Right. So like, um, most board games, uh, when, when designers are designing like a storage kind of pits, like they are designed for horizontal storage. It's like why all the artwork is, is horizontal right like yeah. if you look at the games behind you like you know not, not one of those are vertical um right. i know some people will have like an alternate art but it's, it's pretty rare um so not only does it like it like look better if you're doing it um and the stuff kind of gets stored in uh easier um but, but like the problem as well is that like if you're just storing sideways in a, in a normal calyx shelf you're like stacking the games right so you're like mm -hmm. If you want to get the one off the bottom, you got to pull it out, and then you know you got to wiggle it out, and you know you're getting sweaty before the games even begin, right? Like scuffing the box so, and things like this yeah, too, right? Yeah, exactly. It's just annoying, and sometimes if you've got like uh, I forget what it's called, but like there's there's a certain like match texture that comes in some board games yeah. that can get like scratched off. You're like wiggling around and stuff like that. Yeah, so like it's the like we finishes uh, and things like that, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So like we want to make it so like it was like you could take games off faster. Uh, also, like if you, yeah, if you take one on the bottom, you know, you're gonna get like that landslide, you know, like everything <laughs> falls down. And um, I know for and, me, it uh, I've got two games that uh, the one is consistently I'm having to re repack, and that's um, uh, Battle Sheep because it's got all oh, yeah. these little uh, plastic tokens that have some yeah. pretty good weight to them. And although the the box organizer is great, so everything is in its place. As you said, when you get a little bit of that uh, that lid drift, right, when it's on the shelf, there's, if there's nothing beside to kind of keep it nice and uh, tightly packed, those those pieces are go everywhere, right? And then it, yeah. it's a mess when you have to clean it up. And then sometimes the box won't even close properly because you've got pieces that have kind of slid out. The other one I have is Dominion. We just recently got Dominion, and uh, it, again, beautiful organizer inside the box to to organize all the cards. But my biggest fear is when I go to play that game next, I'm going to open that lid and the cards are going to be everywhere. Right. <laughs> right? So, yeah. and it takes yeah. you a good like 20 minutes to organize all those cards. So I can see the value yeah. in doing this. So yeah, in China, sport, what, what is like, so you're like in an industrial park or like we, I know we talked a little bit this about this on the last uh, yeah. time we had you on the podcast, but maybe just explain a little bit about why you're there and organizing things mm -hmm. from there versus here. Yeah, it's like I I live in Guangdong. I used to live in Shenzhen. I live about an hour away from Shenzhen now. Um, so like that's kind of a like tech slash factory kind of hub. Uh, I think Panda Games Manufacturing does their stuff there. Um, but there's a lot of uh, just like general plastic factories and all this kind of stuff, right? Yeah. Um, in the whole province, like it's all over the province. Uh, 
even just being in China generally, it's like it only takes a day to get something shipped to you, nailed to you, right? It's like next day delivery for everything, basically. Yeah. So like the thing is like I do a lot of prototyping for like new products, new ideas, stuff like that. So like I don't have a 3D printer here. Like at the quality I want, I want one of like the really high level resin ones. So like there's a like someone in Shanghai who can do it for like a couple bucks. You just pay him a couple bucks and the next day he'll ship you a fully 3D printed, like resin printed, oh, really cool. quality polished as well. So like you, uh, so you can get like prototype stuff really quick. So like, um, and then like all the different product ideas, maybe I have a product idea and I don't know if it's going to work well. So I need to go get tested and I can like get five different samples in five days and then like redo it. Like I've launched products like very, very quickly, I think, uh, overall. Yeah. Um, I, like we got so many more coming. It's crazy. Like it's almost like too many for Kickstarter. Um, <laughs> like even like in the Lax Racks uh, campaign right now, um, there, I made these little gravity grip stickers like the play count trackers the dry yeah. erase and you put them on your board game and then like you can track how many plays you've, you've done right so you don't have to open a board game geek and like track it in there or have some digital spreadsheet um it's a fun way to kind of like show everyone like oh yeah you know we played uh, uh, uh dominion you know 40 times something like that oh, okay it's gonna be 41 it's just like a fun tactile way to track how many times you played games yeah um but like that alone, it's like, it, because most of the campaigns focus on lax rats, it's kind of like buried down there, right? And a lot of people really like them. So I'm like thinking like, oh man, maybe we should do like a, another campaign for those and then release more of those and stuff like that. Um, so like, yeah, you, like it, that was going to be a separate campaign at one point, but we just kind of like wedged them together to release a whole bunch of different stuff. Like, like if it was me, like I'd, I'd go full uh, style and do like 10 campaigns in a year. Uh, yeah. I was just showing just people me. while you're talking so. there, your last campaign, which is Token Sesame. Mm -hmm. And the reason I showed it um, is that, you know, it's an example of, to me of how good you are at finding um, solutions to, to basic problems, right? So the Token Sesame, which is your last campaign, which again, did incredibly well, 400,000 on Kickstarter, congratulations. But you took a very simple concept, right? So kind of like you're talking about these, these, these static, uh, these kind of these clings that stick to the box. You know, you have people saying, gosh, you know, uh, although I can, you know, put my pieces all over the table, you know, there can be a better way to do that where you have, um, you know, organizers uh, to keep all your, your, your pieces and things clean on, on, on the table, or you had stackable uh, trays so that if somebody wanted to, um, uh, you know, keep their, their, their stuff kind of under the board, right? There, there's all these different options to kind of organize the pieces. And then here you come with, yet another solution on the horizontal storage, but at the same time you're tagging into there saying, well, there's another kind of problem I want to solve, which is how does somebody keep track of how many times they played a game, right? If they want to, yeah. if they have a certain rotation, they want to, they want to go through and say, okay, I'm going to play this game. Now I'm going to play this other one. I haven't played in a while without actually creating a scoreboard. You can actually put these things right on the boxes and with yeah. a dry erase marker, you can mark how many times you played the game it's another solution you're solving yeah. and you're just and kind of like tagging it on this current campaign, which I think is awesome. Yeah. No, it's, it's kind of packing it together. Like, yeah, those stickers also don't use any glue, right? Cause I know people aren't going to want to put yeah. stickers on the game. So it's like, it's zero glue. It's just uses silicone and like has a gravity grip. So you just take it off, put it on really easy, no mark, no nothing. So it's like, um, so yeah, I was like, it's like, Oh man, like, the timing of all our, pro our projects, like we've got other projects and stuff coming. So I'm just like, Oh, we'll put these two together. But, yeah, who knows? It's like, so is that uh, like kind of through necessity because your innovation, um, and I'm just scrolling down for people watching too, I'll mm -hmm. find uh, the picture of this. Um, 
where it's just like, you've got so much innovations coming that you just said, you know what, I'm going to start kind of pairing some of the stuff up just so that I can kind of get it out. Or is that kind of the thinking? Yeah. That, I or? mean, like, yeah, like I was, we were pro time for lax racks and another project in the future at the same yeah. time. Well, actually for uh, finger destiny that I guess we can cover later. Um, was, um, in the future, we will have a dry race kind of like circle. It's like, mm -hmm. it looks like kind of like a shield that you put the finger destiny on and you can also dry erase different sections and write, you know, like for, for I guess anyone who, who doesn't know, like finger destiny is like a product that we were going to launch um, that it's like a, a, a randomizer. Like it's like a finger of God kind of style thing, like Monty sure. Python style and you spin it and you pick someone random on the table for like, you know, first player or whatever. Um, and so like one of the things we were going to provide is like a, a dry erase board that has like the different sections you can do, um, you can write it on. Uh, and so I was making that and I did get made that made. I was like, this dry race stuff's pretty fun. I'm going to make something else. And then, so I just kind of did that. At the same time, we're doing lax racks as well. Because like, is this, is this significant enough to do like our own campaign? I don't yeah. think so. I'm just going to put it in as an add-on. But now it's like, I see like, like, uh, like at least half of the backers have added that. That's so cool. like, I was like, I was like, oh man, I've had people been like, oh, can I just buy things and all lax racks stuff like that? So. And then you got um, these stands as well, right? I know we're kind of going in reverse yeah. order. We will get into the guts of lax racks, totally. but you've even got these acrylic stands that you said, well, you know, what if somebody wants to, instead of just leave their games flat on top of their shelves, why don't we create a stand so that they can kind of display them? <laughs> so Yeah. Yeah. It's like, I just see a lot of people's uh, board game collection photos, like yeah. COMC, like comment on my collection uh, posts on Reddit and stuff like that. And it's like almost all the people who have, like Twilight Imperium or these like oversized boxes, it's like they'll just like put it on top, and then you end up like putting the next on top, and you just have like seven on top. And it's like it just just doesn't look great. So like yeah. it would be nicer if you could kind of like make it into a bit more of a display. And so uh, there there were other stands out, but they were like not strong enough because mm -hmm. something like Twilight Imperium is like super heavy, right? And on this this stand to last a long time, so just made like super thick acrylic, so that I can ha handle like basically any way to board game, even like. Gloomhaven, like I think in some of the photos it actually has Gloomhaven on it. Um, yeah. And uh, yeah, so it's just like you can turn your whole system into more of a display. And so that was actually, we added that to the uh, Box Throne store like last year that we, we, we didn't have it on the box on Kickstarter. But because we didn't put it on Kickstarter, it was just like, man, I need to give people an opportunity to, yeah, that's, I don't think anyone's seen this before. So they on that as well. So let's yeah. talk about uh, lax racks. That's kind of the big, uh, the big guy you're working on right now. Obviously, these add-ons we're just talking about are part of that. So people, if they if they're interested in those, they can actually add them on to their campaign. Um, but my gosh, here's yet another campaign that you've done where you're crushing it, right? So two hundred twenty-five thousand on this so far. Um, the uh, you know seventeen hundred and forty-one backers still got twenty-two days to go, I guess, and. This concept is really cool. So walk us through how this actually works. Cause I, you know, as I was kind of watching through, you've got kind of these, these wood dowels and people are watching this interview live or in the replay, they'll be able to see the actual videos of this, or quite frankly, just go to the Kickstarter page and check it out there. Um, link will be in the show notes. Um, but you got these, this doweling that basically attaches to the inside of your, your calyx shelves, right. Which then allows the games to kind of sit on top of those. How did you kind of work out the engineering behind this? Because it's 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 very clever. Um, yeah, you know, like the mechanism, so, right? Um, and we'll use descriptive language because not everybody is watching. Some are listening to, right? Oh, okay, got it, got it, got it. Okay, <laughs> um, yeah, fair enough. Uh, 
so yeah, I'm holding in my hand uh, two of the kind of like the older prototypes um, just to kind of show how it would work. So uh, basically, these lax racks grips we call them. They're uh, basically like little uh, plastic. I'll call them rod holders. Yeah. Um, they have three different areas where you can place two rods on it. Um, and basically, all you need to do is like you're going to stick them to the sides of the Cadillacs. But you might ask, oh, how do I get that perfectly aligned? You know, I'm not going to be able to align it to be perfectly straight and it's going to be at an angle and all that kind of stuff. Well, I would answer you by saying we have a little slot system in here that has, um, oh, so like each piece has a little plastic tab on it. Yeah. And you insert that tab into the slot system. And then you just put it flat on, on a board game. So you've got a, a game sitting in your Cadillacs and you just put this flat on it like that. And then you just uh, peel the back off it and slide it into the side. And you just repeat that on all four sides, all four corners of the board game. And then you've got a perfectly level shelf. And I think we have like a clip of there of like uh, someone putting a marble on the acrylic and stuff like that to yeah. show how level it is. Um, so it's like, it's very easy to line it up. So uh, I want to just dive into this a little bit because I, I think this thing is brilliant. Yeah. It, 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 have you like applied for utility patents on this at all or, or anything like that? Uh, design, a design patent. Yeah. Um, so yeah, yeah. All my stuff is like design patents on it. It's like the utility patents are like a lot more complicated. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I think, it's, I think it's hard to get that one. So, so for the, the people uh, who are yeah. listening, so you got this little square, right? And I think it's probably like what, two inches by two inches maybe. And it's yeah, got it's these, awesome. these different little slots that you can put the doweling as explained, which is, and you're going to have four of them. So mm -hmm. that's going to hold basically two sets of rods, which basically creates your shelf. But they've, and this is the, the, the smart thing is there's these little slots. So you use one of these little squares will actually slide into another one of these little squares uh, temporarily so that you can line it up perfectly square with the box um, that's underneath this shelf, right? So if you build from bottom going upwards, all your games are going to line up absolutely perfectly and quickly. So you peel this kind of thing off the back. It's like a classic 3M uh, type adhesive that you can then pull off afterwards if you want to change it up and, and things like that, but it slides onto the shelf. So literally in like, instead of having to get out all these rulers and everything to measure, you can click this thing together very, very rapidly. I don't know if you run any kind of uh, time test at all, but it seems like a couple of minutes, maybe per shelf max to yeah. kind of install this. Yeah. Is that fair? Or? I mean, fat, yeah, faster than two minutes. Um, yeah, and not only that, James, is that we also have three slots on here. So like yes. you can choose how many millimeters of space you want between your games, because maybe you want to make it super tight fit, super space efficient and have the rods kind of like leaning on each other. Yeah. Or maybe you want to make it a one millimeter space or two millimeter space apart. So maybe you want to have two millimeter space so that um, you don't have anything like, you know, rubbing on the top of it when you slide it out yeah. um, or one millimeter space. It's like, it's like you know, it's, it's compromised between it the two. It's cool so, when people uh, look at the actual yeah. site and I've got a picture on screen here is it's, it's seamless, right? Like you can, you can snug these shelves up so well that you, you don't even see the shelves. Your games are just yeah. floating <laughs> in, in that, yeah. uh, in that, in that hole. Right. Which I think is uh, super that's, cool. That's kind of why, what, what I wanted to do too. Like instead of making an actual physical giant shelf that you could see, uh, we, we have it. Yeah. It looks a little bit floating in a lot of the photos. We kind of like brought the, the rods to the front so you can see them more yeah. in the photos. But when you set up yourself, like you can choose how far in you want the rods to go. So you can put it in, you know, like a third or a quarter of the way, and then you're only going to see them like when you're looking at it at eye level. Right. So then it has yeah. a bit more of a floating effect. And stuff like that. 
So it's uh, super it's cool. And then the dowling, uh, I, I saw on your page there that you've, I guess a lot of the dowling that's used in the marketplace, like in craft stores and so forth is made of bamboo. Uh, mm-hmm. you're using birchwood, I guess, and you're using the birchwood yeah. from kind of the strongest part of the tree. Is yeah. that to kind of prevent warping and things like that? Or what, what's the, yeah, like, yeah, exactly. Like, uh, the bamboo rods. Yeah. It's like, they're, they're just not as strong. Right. And it's like, yeah. they're very cheap, but they're not strong. So we, we voted for like the more expensive option. Um, so yeah, so it would, so it wouldn't warp as much as the other ones. It would be stronger. Choose the ones from the strongest part of the tree as well. Um, yeah. I'm not sure if that's the middle or the outside of the tree, but basically it's like, if you've got a thousand dowels, it's like some of them will pass like uh, basically like a strength test and some of them won't. Yeah. And so we just use the strongest ones of those. Um, and so, yeah. And like the way the, the system actually set up is that the weight isn't resting on the, the wooden rods themselves. Um, because if you do that for too long, like you know, it's a clip from the side, they're bearing the weight, right? Yeah. I mean, you, yeah, 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 exactly. So like the, the fit is so tight that the weight is actually dispersed sideways outwards towards the, the, the walls of the Kallax. Yeah. Um, so, uh, so in that way, like when you put a game on there, it's like the, the weight isn't on the rods as much yeah. as it would otherwise. And the other so, cool thing too, is once you have these clips in, there's also acrylic shelves that people can get. So if they want to like display their minis or whatever elements of their, their games that they want to display, you got this separate kind of, uh, uh, I guess acrylic shelf that can go in instead of the dowling that will fit on those same clips. Right. Yeah. yeah. You can use them with the, the wooden rods in there as well or without. Uh, so like, like what, what, whatever you want to do. Um, the, yeah. So yeah, it's just like, you can place that and then put the, the acrylic in or yeah like one of the things one of the systems they wanted it to be adaptable that's mm-hmm. why we can have that tagline like ad- adaptable um board game shelving system so like you uh can pop the rods out uh you can put a bigger game in you can change where the rods are we've got three different we got three different slots on there we got like one mm-hmm. on the top one in the middle and one, one at the bottom so like you can if you're just going to put in a slightly bigger or slightly smaller game you can just like pop in a bigger pull or you want to use acrylic or you can take them out or use it with you, you know, it's just very adaptable. Um, so, and then like, if you really want to move it, you can just by yeah. it off by the tab off the bottom. But when um, I was looking at your stats so, on um, uh, your, your pledge levels, it looks like the second tier. So I think that's 24 shelves is what it works out to be. Um, yeah. Seems to be where the largest number of pledges are. Again, there's pledges right across the whole spectrum. Um, yeah. Was there any kind of research or any kind of data you had going in that kind of helped lead you into how many likely people would need when they order them? Like, is there mm-hmm. kind of like an average number of games that the people typically have, or is it kind of like, let's do all levels and kind of see where it shakes out? Yeah. I mean, like the levels are based on the sizes of the Calaxes. So like there's mm-hmm. a, the, the lowest one, the Rex Dab one, that is, uh, that will do a four or two by two, you know, the little one or four by one. Um, the, cause it's only, uh, 12 shelves. Yes. Uh, and then the uh, next one that racks Lord is going to make a two by four system. You know, it lets you put, uh, three shelves per cube in there. I mean, you can mm-hmm. put as many as you want, maybe one fewer, maybe one more. Um, uh, but, uh, but yeah, so like that would be for the two by four. And then like the next one's like the racks empire, which is the four by four. And then we just added the racks deity, which is like the five by five for it. Uh, yeah. Like, like if you look at like the total, pledges on it it's like by, by far most is like if you take racks to the max 
and also uh, Rax Empire, Rax Lady together. So it is like the bigger board game collections that are basically carrying it right now. Um, yeah. So yeah, yeah, Rax and the Max is like you get like the play, you get like a variety of stuff. Like you get um, like a four by four Calyx with the regular shelves and a bunch of heavy duty shelves. Yeah, we have a heavy duty one too. We have four rods and stuff like that. Um, as well as you get acrylics and then all kind of stuff. So, and how did you come uh, up with the name Lax Rax? Where'd that come from? Uh, I thought that it was a bit like tongue-in-cheek. You know, it sounds like it's like a laxative pill or something like that. So like, I'm like, oh, it, it's really catchy and people might make fun of the name. And I thought if people make, make fun of the name, it'll stick in their heads. Yeah. So, uh, and it also lacks from Calax, right? So like, yeah. so lax Rax, and obviously it's- like, It rhymes, it's very short, easy to remember. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I, I like things that rhyme. So yeah, like lax Rax. And, it's just like it's, uh, and then big. you're- your social media, can we talk a little bit about this campaign? So going in, I, I know last time we talked, you mentioned how large of an email list you have. I'm sure it's even larger now, but you're in like the thousands, I guess, in terms of your um, your email list, which you know gives you a certain yeah. level of weight when you're going into a new campaign in terms yeah. of communicating, especially you have an established fan base that you're, you're communicating to, and then you have just the you know economies of scale. Mm-hmm. Um and then this time I see that you're using BackerKit to help you with your social media amplification. What was the decision to go with BackerKit? Uh, I just feel like they're very consistent. I feel like they, um, like to do good Facebook ads, you need like a good data set, right? Yeah. So like their data set is huge because it's like all these board game campaigns have used them and they have like a lot of backer emails. They don't like directly use the backer emails, right? But you can use them to create lookalike audiences with it and stuff like that. So, um, so they just have this huge database of, of board gamers. And so like anyone who advertises with them, like you can, um, they will you know, use that database to kind of like give really relevant ads out. I just feel like they're very consistent. Um, so uh, and certainly, like, I, fun to work with and stuff. I think there, the, there's two things that I've experienced with them. One is that they're just very, very good at uh, hitting mm-hmm. their, uh, the social media targets, right? With Facebook ads, right? So they've been doing it now on many, many, many games per year. So they've got an established focus. So they know exactly how to get in and get those people very efficiently. And secondly, they have other tools, right? They have their own list of people that have, you know, every time you fill out your pledge manager, you have an opportunity to opt in uh, to get further communications. That's a list that they can use now to, to further target on your behalf. So I know from my experience, I use them as well. On my last campaign, uh, it was great. Yeah. Uh, certainly yeah. I know Chandler is a, is a good person to, uh, you know, dialogue with, not only do they, you know, kind of take care of your campaign, but they're there to, as, as advisors as well, which is really good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, like if it's good enough for CMON, like cool mini or not, like they uh, have an like, exclusive <laughs> agreement with Backerkit now. So if it's good enough for them. Then I think it's good enough for most creators. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. So how, how have you found, like, so you're, you're in China and it, we've just gone through, you know, the, and we're still not through it, but like this worst kind of uh, global pandemic, I think in recent history has really impacted business as a whole. How's it impacted you on that end of the world? Have you seen it impact the factories there at all? Or is it like, if, uh, yeah, the price of pretty much everything has gone up <laughs> like, uh, yeah. that, that side is real, especially like freight. I'm sure you've had other people talk about it, but right. yeah, like the cost of ocean freight and shipping now, is just ridiculous. It's like eight times what it was before, you know, like it yeah. used to be, Three thousand dollars to ship a, a container from China to the U.S. and now it's uh, twenty five thousand um, dollars. I've even heard people doing like forty thousand. Um, wow! So uh, 
so yeah, so the cost of all that is expensive now. Uh, but yeah, in terms of like, like things that like China like recovered pretty quick from coronavirus. But the thing is that like they are a lot more like sensitive towards if there are cases, right? Whereas like other countries are like are okay being open, just wear a mask, or if you you need to take time off, blah blah blah. Whereas like here, it's like if like there's one case, like they'll lock down the whole business, or like they'll lock down the street. You know, yeah. like no one go outside of the house, and everyone's gonna get checked in 48 hours. So it can be more disruptive. Um, but the luckily like all the factories kind of like in rural areas. And rural areas in China, like, I feel like they, they don't have a ton of coronavirus. Like, even mm. in, like, my city where I live in, it's not like a, it's like a tier two city. Um, like, no one wears masks anymore. We haven't had a case in a long time. You know, yeah. most of the cases are major cities are up north. Yeah, like, down south is pretty safe, too. Um, so all my factories are down south. Um, so, uh, so yeah, I mean, yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's been okay, I guess. Yeah, it's just the raw material prices and stuff. And how did you adapt? So there's two things. Wood prices went through the roof uh, yeah. recently, uh, right? The summer. So you've got wood in your product. Um, was yeah. that something you had planned going in or is it something that hit you kind of after you'd already kind of had everything set up? Yeah, like I, uh, it was kind of like happening when we were designing it. Um, and like like I said, we had like different ideas and materials you want to use, right? Like, oh, at one point we're just going to use like cardboard and stuff. Right? Yeah. Um, but as we're going, it's like, uh, like I felt like it was leveling off a bit. And so like I had prices I was working with and I was like, okay, um, I think we could do this. And then like the price of wood actually went down for a bit. And I think now it's kind of, kind of like stable. Yeah. Um, so like uh, I got the pricing when it was kind of like at its peak. So I'm like, that's what we kind of figured out how to do it. Yeah, um, so just had your and then obviously you kind of like adapt. And then your box um, thrown, yeah. which is uh, bulky and heavy. Yes. Um, have you have you had to adjust pricing to accommodate the the increased shipping rates around the world now? Or yeah, yeah. Because the thing is, I think it's huge, right? It's like it's furniture. You're shipping furniture. Um, so uh, yeah, like like we, we had to increase prices. Also, the the the, the Trump tariffs. You know, like the twenty percent, twenty five percent tariffs you get in going to the U.S. Yeah. Um, it uh, I I've heard that it started to apply to some board game stuff i'm not fully sure they, like my friends and stuff tell me that it, it hasn't yet but I've, i saw someone on a group that said it had but um anyway so like to 80 percent of products that go into the us you have to pay like a 15 to 25 percent tariff on it now and so yeah so all my stuff got like a 25 percent tariff on it so um so yeah i had to put the prices up basically about 25 percent so yeah. um so yeah to offset it um so i sure. think it did even less like 20 percent if, if there's one thing you could um, advise, so people are looking to get into Kickstarter, you've done this, your third campaign. Now you're doing incredible. Um, what's something you would, a piece of advice you'd give to others looking to get into Kickstarter? What's something they should really, really focus on uh, kind of coming in? Yeah, I think uh, like, I mean, like, I just hate saying the, the old tired cliches and stuff like that, but you need to build your audience before you launch. Right. I think that's definitely the biggest one. And yeah. I see such like good ideas on there, which fund like $3,000. And it's just like, like if they had just taken the time to build up an email list and do that and understand how ads work and all that kind of stuff, um, that like they would have, they would have like made 10 times what they did. Yeah. Um, so like anyone who's getting into, into Kickstarter, yeah, for sure. Building the, the audience list. And then I think like the key as well is that you have to be willing to spend money you really willing to spend lots and lots of money. Like, like think about how much you want to fund in the end. Like say you want to have a hundred thousand dollar project. 
you got to be willing to spend at least like ten, fifteen thousand dollars up front. You know, even twenty thousand dollars on like on 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 the marketing and, and the graphic design, and all this kind of stuff. Yeah, um, yeah. You, like I see a lot of people who are like, well, maybe trying to do it themselves, trying to do the design themselves, or uh, or like they just don't spend the money to build up email lists and stuff like that. Uh, and it, it's like a business, right? It's like not. Yeah. It's it's not, not cheap. What, what, yeah, yeah, exactly. It's like it's 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 not like necessarily a hobby thing. Like it is. Like we are pursuing our our passions and our joys yeah. and stuff like that. But there is a business aspect to it, and you gotta be willing to put in an investment. You know, with like with Boxer, I'm like I I I honestly didn't think it would fund more than 150 thousand. That's that was my goal. 150 thousand of it. Um, so I put in like twenty thousand dollars that I've been saving into it to do all the stuff. You know, like because those like furniture prototypes are not cheap, right? No. Um, and so, like, uh, so yeah, so you you gotta be willing to take a jump and take a risk and, and do it. Um, and yeah, and just don't be afraid to spend money on ads as well, in particular. I think the so other currency too that people often um, don't really pay attention to is time. Yeah. Right. There's a lot of time you have to invest in doing a campaign. Uh, a lot, right? There's yeah. they're setting up the game, but then that's only a fraction of the time investment, then getting ready for the campaign itself, then running the campaign and then post-campaign uh, is just an, an immense amount of time that you have to invest in addition to that yeah. kind of financial investment, as you said. And I think people can get in not necessarily having to spend a lot of money, but you just have to set your expectations, right? So mm-hmm. if you expect to hit $100,000 or higher, well, there's going to take some financial investment to get there. If your goal yeah. is like, Five to ten thousand, you can probably do that a lot cheaper, right? Yeah. And uh, you Definitely. can kind of bootstrap it. So it's just kind of uh, you know setting those kind of numbers to to kind of fit what the the outcome is that you expect. Yeah. Definitely. So yeah. What what's next on 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 deck for you? I mean, you're a serial uh, inventor and entrepreneur. What what's the next thing that you got coming uh, on Kickstarter? What what can people? Yeah, look I mean, for? got got a lot of projects. Got a lot. Um, we're thinking about doing one of those. I got a, a cooler array of stickers for the dry erase things. Yeah. Um, we had Finger of Destiny that we were pushing to the next year. So we're going to do that at some point. Um, but the big one that I'm working on right now, I'm working on a table, actually, doing a uh, $379 board game table. Um, wow. And it's good. And it's like, it's good. It has like a you know, three millimeter movement. Would this be like a topper that you would anchor onto another table? Or is this like no, a it's, full No, it's table? a full real table because we're made out of metal, like the box or material. So it's yeah. like we are able to kind of like minimize the weight and shipping and all this kind of stuff. It's a sturdy table. It looks good. The uh, the attachments are all like uh, uh, plastic and like not expensive. Um, like you can actually fit token sesame. You can slot it into the sides and stuff like that. Oh, cool. um, so uh, so like the, the it's it's like a budget table that looks good. Uh, and the topper is beautiful. Like it's uh, the the topper is uh, it's like rubber wood. But we got this. Um, it's actually like a it listed on the on the Chinese stock exchange. Um, it's a huge wood manufacturer. It makes like a lot of designer furniture. So we're working with them. Um, my friend was able to to to, to connect me to them. Um, and so like yeah, so like the toppers are like are like beautiful. Like like, like it looks like ebony and it's dark woods and stuff wow. like that. Um, and then so like the topper will be like, uh, like you know a few hundred bucks. But like the the base table itself that comes with like the neoprene mat and it's like uh, yeah, it's like a full size table. Like it's uh, like the same size as like the wormwood uh, modular table medium. So mm. I think it's like a three foot by five foot kind of thing. So, uh, so yeah, that's what I'm working on right now. And so we're probably going to launch that in like February, I'm thinking. Um, wow, that's quick. 
Yeah, yeah. Like we'll, I'm actually going to go visit like the final prototype on Thursday today, or Thursday. Um, wow. And so uh, yeah, I got I got, a, I got to the guy who uh, the artist of Gloomhaven, yeah. uh, like Alexandra whichever right? He uh, designed a bunch of playmats for me as well. Oh, so we cool. have like uh, I have like a thematic playmat, you know, collection that's got like you know ice and and water and trees and all this kind of stuff. So like, yeah, I think we're pretty fun. Yeah. Oh, that's fantastic. We'll have to get you back on the podcast when, yeah, uh, when you're totally. ready to launch that. That sounds exciting. Yeah, yeah definitely. Yeah. Well, yeah. Dan, I, uh, I know you're a busy guy. I want to thank you for your time. I know it's, uh, you know, mid campaign can be a, can be a crazy time. So uh, I do yeah. thank you for that and I uh, wish you all the best uh, with lax racks for people that are listening or watching. If you want to check out this Kickstarter campaign, just simply go to Kickstarter and search for lax racks, L A X R A X or you can click on the link in our show notes and that'll take you straight there. Dan, you take care. Enjoy the rest of your day, my friend. Thanks a lot, James. Cheers. All right. This has been an episode of the Board Game Binge Podcast, hosted by James Staley, produced by James Staley and Mike Bruner, with original music by Nick Smith. If you would like to watch these interviews live, simply join the Facebook group Board Game Binge and you'll get access to live interviews, giveaways, and interesting board game content across the industry. I can't wait for you to join us. See you next time.